Let's now read the word of God together in Psalm 51. Psalm of David. When Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. We also consider the teaching of the Catechism in Lord's Day 26. In God's providence, going through the catechism in this congregation, we are up to the section on the doctrine of holy baptism. <coughs> Lord's Day 26 asks us, How art thou admonished and assured by holy baptism that the one sacrifice of Christ upon the cross is of real advantage to thee? Thus, that Christ appointed this external washing with water, adding thereto this promise, that I am as certainly washed by his blood and spirit from all the pollution of my soul, that is, from all my sins, as I am washed externally with water, by which the filthiness of the body is commonly washed away. What is it to be washed with the blood and spirit of Christ? It is to receive of God the remission of sins freely for the sake of Christ's blood, 
which he shed for us by his sacrifice upon the cross, and also to be renewed by the Holy Ghost and sanctified to be members of Christ, that so we may more and more die unto sin and lead holy and unblameable lives. Where has Christ promised us that he will as certainly wash us by his blood and spirit as we are washed with the water of baptism? In the institution of baptism, which is thus expressed, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. This promise is also repeated where the scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, as a congregation we have seen that the Holy Spirit is the one who works faith in our hearts, and that he does that by the preaching of the gospel of Christ. But we have also seen that the Holy Spirit also strengthens our faith through the holy sacraments. The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals of the Lord that, like the preaching, direct our faith to Christ and to his one sacrifice on the cross for our salvation. This afternoon, we were blessed not only to hear the preaching of the gospel of Christ as we receive every Sunday, but we were also blessed to be able to observe with our eyes the application by sprinkling of water on the little forehead of our little brother, Reed Lewis. And we were able to observe that, not as a mere custom or tradition, but as a sacrament, as a means of the Holy Spirit strengthening our faith by directing us again to Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. This afternoon in the sermon, I want to focus on what the form taught us are the three principal parts of the doctrine of holy baptism. We just read that earlier, and we were reminded that those three main parts of the doctrine of baptism are, first, that we and our children are conceived and born in sin. We're conceived and born spiritually filthy before God and in need of washing, so that we are called to loathe ourselves and to humble ourselves before God in the knowledge of our sin. And in the second place, that we and our children get baptized with water in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit as a sign and seal that God has washed away all of our iniquities through the blood of his Son, and he has made us whiter than snow. And in the third place, the doctrine of baptism teaches us, admonishes us, and our children to live a new and holy life. Because in all covenants there are contained two parts. And our part is the part of showing thankfulness to God 
in obedience, and in a holy life. So let's consider the blessed doctrine of holy baptism today under, the, under that theme, noticing, first of all, the terrible filthiness of our sin. In the second place, the thorough washing of Christ's blood. And finally, the new obedience of a thankful life. The doctrine of holy baptism begins by pointing to us the filthiness of our sin that is clearly implied and signified in the sacrament that we have observed today, that we in ourselves by nature are filthy, rotten sinners before the face of a holy God, and that every single time we commit a sin, we contaminate ourselves spiritually, we pollute ourselves and make ourselves to be rotten and filthy before him. Any of us who has witnessed the birth of a child into this world has seen with our own eyes when we saw the birth of that child that the first thing a little baby needs when he or she comes into this world is to be washed. The very first thing that they need virtually is to be washed. Babies don't come into this world squeaky clean. They come into this world filthy, and they need to be washed with water. The prophet Ezekiel, long ago, describes how pitiful it is when a little one comes into this world and does not get washed with water. Ezekiel, in chapter 16 of his book, likens the people of God to a child who comes into the world and is then abandoned at birth. Ezekiel 16, verses 4 and 5, he writes about the children of Israel, As for thy nativity, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. He draws the pitiful picture of a little baby who is born and then tossed aside to wallow polluted in its blood and left to die all alone in an open field. And Ezekiel is teaching us that this is our condition as we come into the world from a spiritual point of view. We are conceived and born into this world like that pitiful little child, left to die, polluted in our own sin, absolutely desperate and in need of the mercy of God. David writes about that and applies that truth to himself in the psalm that we read. As he reflects upon the sin in which he had fallen into, he says in verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He says, all the way back to the time when I was conceived in my mother's womb, at that point already, I was filthy. I was corrupt with sin. I needed to be washed. Do you confess that about yourself too? Do I confess that about myself? Whenever we fall into a sin, 
then like David, it should remind us that we were conceived and born in sin. We were brought into this world like that little child, filthy and dirty, but unwashed, totally at the mercy of God. Why is this true? Why do we come into the world already so filthy and polluted with sin? The answer is given in the scriptures that we are human beings. We are members of the human race. And when the first human being sinned in the Garden of Eden, we all fell into sin in him. When Adam disobeyed God in the Garden, he did that as our first father. He did that as our representative of the whole human race. Are you a human being? Am I a human being? Then that means that we came into this world thoroughly corrupt, thoroughly defiled with what is called original sin. That's the first part of the doctrine of holy baptism. As we saw in the form, we with our children are conceived and born in sin. When our little ones come into this world and we know that they need to be washed physically, we need to remember too, they need to be washed spiritually more than physically. What they need is the mercy of God. Because of original sin, the psalmist in Psalm 14 looks down on the whole human race and he writes this, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. That's what God sees when he looks down on us human beings. We are all together become filthy. None of us has done good, no, not one. And that includes you and me, even as Christians, because we still carry around with us our old man of sin, which is, according to Paul, corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. After all, beloved, do we never simply go through the motions of worship when our heart is not in it? Do we not ever have no interest in worship when we're praying, when we're singing, when we're going to church, when we're reading the Bible? Is there never a time? There is, often, isn't there? When we're just going through the habits, going through the actions, but our heart is not in it. And Jesus says in Matthew 15, that those of us whose heart is far from him when we worship are an abomination to the Lord. The Pharisees were complaining that Jesus' disciples weren't washing their hands before they ate their food. And Jesus said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but it's what comes out of the heart. That's what defiles a man. What comes out of the heart? Jesus tells us the heart is a a fountain of evil thoughts, Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And Jesus says, these are the things that defile a man. Do there ever rise up out of our hearts thoughts, desires of lust, of adultery, of fornication? Are there never lies that come up in our flesh and even out of our mouths? Do we never sing along with the songs of the world 
even when they profane the great and glorious name of our God, continue to sing along as we hear the radio going? Or do we never watch the videos and play the video games in which there is a glorification of killing and violence, a glorification of adultery and fornication portrayed right before our eyes on the screen? When we do those things, beloved, it's like we are rummaging around in the garbage dump of the world, looking for pleasures in the midst of the rotten, stinking trash of the world, and we make ourselves filthy before God. When we open our mouths and we vent out our anger, we vent our bitterness, our jealousy, our envy, we boast about our greatness, we draw attention to ourselves and our achievements, or we engage in filthy jesting and unclean speech of all kinds, we make ourselves filthy. It's as if we're sitting in a septic tank, wallowing in the rotten sewage and enjoying it. And that's true no matter what sin we commit. Whenever we break any of God's commandments, we pollute ourselves. We make ourselves filthy and rotten so that we stink in the nostrils of God. That's what sin does, and that's what sin is. Are we aware of that? We all know the feeling after we've worked a long, hard day, and we get sweaty and dirty and stinky and grimy, and how we long to get home and to get into a nice hot shower and wash away all that filthiness. We all know that feeling. But do we also know the feeling of being dirty by our sin so that there's nothing that we want more than to be washed, to be clean, to be pure before the eyes of God? It's very easy for us to look at the sins of others and to be disgusted at that person's sin and that person's sin and how filthy they are and how vile they are. But if we do not come to know the filthiness and the vileness of our own sin, so that as the forum puts it, we come to loathe our sin and we humble ourselves before God like that publican in Jesus' parable, Oh God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, O God. The stains of my sin are so deep, I can't remove them. They're rotten, they're dirty, they're ugly, O God. I know they stink before you. O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. According to the multitude of thy loving kindness, remove my transgressions from me, purge me with hyssop, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, and I shall be clean and whiter than snow. O Lord, hide not thy face from me. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. That's the prayer of the psalmist. Is that yours? That's the first principal part of the doctrine of holy baptism. Which means that if we don't understand that, if we don't understand that first principal part, 
we will not be able to understand anything that follows. We will have no comprehension of the meaning of baptism or the significance or the value of it. Unless we become of a broken and a contrite spirit. And we let go of all of our pride and excuses and self-justifications. And we say, oh God, I'm a sinner. A sinner. Now the second part of the doctrine, the blessed doctrine of holy baptism is that our Lord Jesus Christ has instituted the sacrament of baptism, a sacrament involving the application of water, either by immersion or by sprinkling in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, in order to declare and seal to believers and our seed that he, by his blood, has fully washed away all our sins. That's the second part. That's the gospel. Our Lord Jesus Christ instituted this sacrament after his death and resurrection, when he stood on that mountain with his disciples and he said to them in the Great Commission, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. He told them to go and preach the forgiveness of sins through faith in Christ and in the way of repentance. Go into the world and preach the forgiveness of sins and call everyone everywhere to repent and believe and baptize them, he said, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by which he meant apply water to them. Use water and apply it to them. You as ordained, called, sent ministers of the word and sacraments, take the water in the assembly of the saints and apply it to them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I will signify and seal to them thereby, to those who are of a broken and contrite spirit, because he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, I will signify and seal to them that I have washed away all your sins. When David cried out to God, God answered him. And when we cry out to God, he answers us. He says, I have purged away all of your sins, and you are clean. I have washed you. I have purged you with hyssop, and I have made you whiter than snow. I have taken away all your transgressions far from you. I have scrubbed away those deep stains that you couldn't remove. I've taken them all away. They're all gone. I forgive you, and I have hidden my face from all your sins. I have done that through my Son. And the Son promises us, according to the Catechism, as certainly as you have seen with your eyes the water sprinkled on the child, 
And as certainly as you recall that water that was applied to you, child of God, so certain can you be that I, by the sprinkling of my blood on the cross, have washed away all your sins. Through baptism, God points us to Christ. Just like with the preaching of the gospel, so also with baptism. It all leads to Calvary. It all brings us to the foot of the cross. It all brings us there to Jesus on the cross. Because on the cross, God took all of our filthiness and defilement and pollution and he imputed it to him. He reckoned it to Jesus and Jesus took responsibility for it. And then God led him through Jerusalem to the cross to be nailed on that cross to shed his blood there. So that through the shedding of his blood, through the giving of his life as a sacrifice for our sins, he might wash away our sins. There at the cross, God, having imputed our filthiness to Jesus, then poured upon his head the flood of his wrath. Just as he poured out the flood of his wrath in physical water upon the earth long ago and saved believing Noah and his family in the ark, so he poured out the flood of his fiery wrath on Jesus on the cross instead of on us. Because Jesus hung on that cross in our place. He took our place. He took our sins, our filthiness. And having taken responsibility, he also took the outpouring of God's wrath upon him. And Jesus was baptized on the cross with the fires of hell. Nothing less than the fires of hell. He was baptized in those fires. And he descended into hell for us. Because only the fire of hell has the power to scrub away those rotten, filthy stains that cleave to us. Only the fires of hell. And we could never pass through those fires and survive. So God sent his son that he would pass through them for us. And he was baptized for us in those flames. So that through the precious blood of Christ, He has purged away all of our guilty stains, the filth and the rot of our sin. Look to the cross. Look to Jesus Christ for the washing away of your sin. The sacrament of baptism is a sign and seal of all of that. The sprinkling of water that we're so accustomed to seeing is a picture of the sprinkling of God's wrath upon Christ that washes away our sin. And as that sprinkling is applied to our little ones, and as we remember how it was applied to us, then Jesus assures us, so surely have I washed away your sins. What does it mean, the Catechism says, to be washed in the blood of Christ. What does that mean? It means that I receive from God the forgiveness of my sins freely. 
I receive it as a free gift that I didn't earn, that I didn't merit by my works. I receive it as a free, merciful gift. And I come to know that God loves me. Have you received that washing away of sins? I believe that I received it when I was very young, as a little one. And that I continue to receive that word of forgiveness every time I hear the gospel. And you too, child of God. We don't all of us know when we first received the washing away of our sins. We know that we came into this world conceived and born filthy, like that little baby in Ezekiel's prophecy, born into the world and cast aside to die in the puddle of its own blood with no one to take pity upon him. That was me. That was you. But Ezekiel doesn't end there. He goes on in chapter 16 and says, the Lord says, But I saw you there polluted in your blood. I saw you there lying in the puddle of your sin. And when I passed by you, I looked at you and I had compassion on you. And I said, live. Live. That's what God says to us. For the sake of my own son's blood and sacrifice on the cross, I say to you, live. And we who were dead and unwashed, at that point in our life, become washed. We become clean through the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why we baptize our little children, too. Because as the form put it, our little children come into this world filthy with sin, just like us. But they're not aware of that. They don't know that. And just as they don't know about their original sin, so also they don't know that the Lord loves them and the Lord has incorporated them into his Son, Jesus Christ. And having joined them to Christ before their knowledge, they receive from Christ before they ever even be able to speak their first word. They receive the washing away of their sins. So we baptize them, not because we think that baptism washes away their sins, but because baptism is a sign and seal that God washes away their sins through Christ, through the blood of the cross. The next Lord's Day in the Catechism puts it this way, when it asks us if infants are to be baptized. Not all infants, but the infants of believers. And the answer is yes, and part of the answer to that is because redemption from sin by the blood of Christ is promised to them no less than to the adult. If God promises to our little ones forgiveness of sins, then they also have a right to the sacrament of the forgiveness of sins. That's the second part of the blessed doctrine of holy baptism. And that leads us to the third part. Where the form says, 
Baptism that brings us into the covenant of grace or is a sign and seal that we are brought into the covenant of grace. All covenants have two parts. And what the form means by that is not that God has to do our part and we have to do our part. But what the form means by that is that God has done everything for our salvation. And now our calling is to live a thankful life of obedience to him. And the sacrament of baptism itself points us to that new and holy life of obedience and thankfulness to God. Beloved, are you thankful to God for the precious blood of his Son that has washed you completely and thoroughly clean. Then the calling that comes to you and to me now is let us cleanse ourselves of all the indwelling filthiness of flesh and spirit that continues to cleave to us because it's still there, still cleaves to us. And so the calling is, let's be done with sin. Let's be done with it. It's time to be done with it. It's time to put it out of our life. It's time to cleanse ourselves. That's our calling. A life of thankfulness. And we are able to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the same Lord's Day points out that we're not only washed by the blood of Christ, but we're washed by the Spirit of Christ. We're not only justified, but we're also sanctified. The Holy Spirit of Jesus is poured into our hearts so that we have the power of the Spirit to cleanse ourselves more and more of all indwelling sins. And this is the great encouragement we have in that. Because it can be very discouraging. We know the sins that cleave to us. And maybe you're thinking, I try, I try, but I can't. And the encouragement that God gives to us is that he promises us through baptism. Did you see that water? God says, I promise you, as certainly as you see that water, I will wash away all the indwelling sin from you. All of it. I'll wash it all away. And I am doing that right now. More and more. Little by little. As you continue down your Christian journey to heaven. And then at last, I'll take away that old man of sin. And you'll never have to fight against it again. The Holy Ghost renews us. How does he do that? He does it by pointing us to Christ, like he just did again today. The Holy Ghost did that. I didn't do that. The Holy Ghost did that through me. He pointed us, you and me, again to Jesus. And that's how he stirs us up to thankfulness, you see. He shows us how filthy we are. And he shows us that Jesus washed us freely. And the Holy Spirit uses that to press down upon our souls that we have an obligation of thankfulness. I do. 
and I can never pay him back for it. Never. But I have an obligation now of my utmost ability to cleanse myself, to be done with sin. I serve a merciful and gracious God who has done great things for me. David experienced that, and he writes of that in Psalm 51. You can feel the the burden that was on his soul as he wrote this. And having experienced the washing of his sin, he points out what follows. Verse 15, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart, and so forth. It's a life of joyful gratitude to God, singing and praising his name. So that the child of God says, I don't want to listen to that music anymore that blasphemes the name of my God. I'm done with that. I can't listen to that. And the child of God says, as he's looking at those games and movies in which there's blasphemy and murder and adultery of all kinds, I can't watch that. I have to be done with that. And the child of God thinks to himself, I can't talk the way I talk anymore. I have to cleanse my lips. I can't talk like that. With that unclean language, with that filthy jesting, with that wicked speech like the world. I want to be different. I want to use my lips, my tongue, my mouth to, like David says, show forth the praise of the Lord. Not to talk with bitterness about my brother, not to boast about myself. I want to use my mouth to offer unto God the sacrifices of thanksgiving. To devote my life to the worship and service of God. The worship of God, the service to my neighbor like our Lord Jesus showed us by his example. At the Last Supper, he took a bowl of water, and the Lord and Master himself got on his knees and washed their dirty, stinking feet. He did. And he said, I'm setting an example for you that you will do as I have done, serving others. May God then strengthen us today by his word and sacrament in faith, hope, and love by the blessed doctrine of holy baptism. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we have been humbled, but we have also been encouraged, and we have been filled with joy. Thou hast led us down into the depths of our sinfulness, but then back up into the heights of our salvation through the cross of our Lord Jesus. Lord, grant unto us hearts filled with joyful thanksgiving that we would really strive
fight against our sin and to cleanse ourselves more and more of those filthy practices and thoughts and words. And we pray, Lord, that thou would encourage us in that Christian life. We confess we often fall short and we get discouraged. Help us, Lord. Pick us back up. And may we continue to strive to live in obedience. In thanksgiving.